Hey, you. <laughs> yeah, you, man. Let me ask you something. You like making great money, right? <laughs> All right. Well, here's a really cool opportunity that I just had to share with you. Driving with Uber. Yeah, Uber. That's right. That popular smartphone app that connects riders with drivers. Heard of it? <laughs> I know you have. You probably Ubering right now while you listen to the About Last Night podcast. Let me tell you something. I love Uber. I Uber all the time. I take it when I'm trying not to drink and drive. I take it when I'm trying to not waste gas. I take it when I'm just trying to make some new friends. You know why? Because Uber drivers, man, most of them got really interesting stories for why they even started getting involved with Uber in the first place. Let me tell you why Uber drivers love their job. They love being their own boss. They love earning great money. They love how you just need a license and a car to start. That's it, man. Driving with Uber is great for anyone who needs flexibility in their life. Parents, you know why you love Uber? Because it's a really easy way to work around your family's schedule. Students, you know why you love Uber? Because you can make some extra cash in between those classes. Now, the prime time to cash in driving with Uber is right now. Okay, you're going to thank me for telling you how to get paid every week. You got a car, you got a license, boom, put them both to work for you and start earning serious life-changing money today by signing up to drive with Uber. Visit drivewithuber.com, that's drivewithuber.com, drivewithuber.com. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. What's the name of that website one more time? I'll tell you, Tony Danza, it's drivewithuber.com. And now enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Hey everybody, it's Brad Williams for the About Last Night podcast. Thank you for downloading a brand new episode, and I know you're going to love this one because our guest is the extremely talented, extremely funny, extremely bald uh, Maz Jabrani. Maz Jabrani is our guest today, a great comic, great guest. We've been trying to have him on the podcast forever, but he's a very busy guy, man. He's a working actor. Uh, If you look at his IMDb page, he's just been on everything uh, he's constantly touring, doing stand-up, not just in America. He tours the world, the world. He is truly a world traveler. Maz was born in Iran, and uh, then he came to America, became a comedian, started the Axis of Evil comedy tour, which is just a revolutionary, really innovative idea where you got a bunch of Middle Eastern comics together after 9-11 and kind of we're telling all us racist white people to be like, hey, don't, we're not the enemy. We're not, we're not evil. This is our perspective. Uh, Adam and I had a great time talking to him. He made some fascinating points and really offered a new perspective on a lot of things that uh, we haven't considered before. And, uh, and then we had some goofy moments, as we always do. Uh, so this was really a fun one, and I know you're going to love it. Uh, so enjoy Maz Jabrani, but also please go to uh, go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, tell us why you like it, leave a comment. You know why do you like the podcast? Is it uh, because I do really bad impressions uh, like my Michael Caine? My Michael Caine is not really a good impression, but yeah, whatever. Uh, do, do you like Adam's really good impressions? Do you like Danny Glover? Do you like uh, how we get goofy with the guests? What do you like? Tell us. Uh, what you enjoy about the podcast and rate us on iTunes. That helps us uh, climb the charts and really lets us know that you're listening. Uh, also, go to aboutlastnightpodcast.com and click on the Amazon banner whenever you got to do some shopping. Go to Amazon, shop, 
like normal. You could buy Maz Jabrani's book. That's right. He wrote a book. He's a really intelligent dude. His book is called I'm Not a Terrorist, but I've played one on TV. It's great. Go to aboutlastnightpodcast.com. Click on the Amazon banner. Pick up the book. Read. Get smarter. Maybe you can get smart like Maz one day. Uh, also, go to estoymerchandise.com. Uh, Adam and I have lots of great about last night podcast merchandise we've got roni and the quave t-shirts we've got about last night podcast mugs we've got a t-shirt where uh uh i'm attached to adam on a baby bjorn riding on the head of the titanic in a kind of a homoerotic situation but uh it's not gay if it's a jew or a dwarf uh i think uh i think uh danny glover said that did he i don't know whatever uh please continue uh, to follow us on Twitter, uh, follow follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy, and go to AdamRayTV.com for all of his dates. Adam is going to be in New York August 14th at the Gramercy Theater. He's going to be opening up for Brent Morin when Brent records his Netflix special. So that's going to be awesome. Brent Morin, friend of the podcast, uh, that's going to be a great show. Adam is also going to be at the Tropicana in Las Vegas doing the Laugh Factory August 31st through September 6th. Check him out there. Do some gambling. Uh, see a show. See some Cirque du Soleil stuff. See a bunch of guys in tights. Uh, then go see my boy Adam at the Tropicana. He's also going to be at Hyenas in Fort Worth, Texas, September 17th through the 19th. So uh, go check him out at Hyenas. Uh, follow me on Twitter at FunnyBrad. And come see me on tour, uh, Marietta, California. I'm going to be at Aces Comedy Club August 7th and 8th. Come on out to those shows. Corpus Christi, Texas. That's right. I'm going to be in Corpus Christi, home of the two-story Whataburger. Yeah, there's a two-story fast food joint called Whataburger there. It's great. But I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be at Chuckles Comedy Club August 20th through the 22nd. So come out to Chuckles Comedy Club in Corpus Christi. See me. And also Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm going to be at the Funny Bone August 27th through the 30th. So come out, see me and Adam do live stand-up. Keep listening to the podcast. Keep rating it on iTunes. Follow Maz Jabrani on Twitter, at Maz Jabrani. Pick up his book. And uh, I think that's everything. Those are the dates. That's the info. Uh, that's the info about the podcast. What do I say next? I'm not sure. This is Adam's gig. He usually does this, but he's off shooting a movie and a TV show. I'm kind of lonely right now. I don't know why I'm opening up to you in, in this moment. I should be getting louder and ending the podcast and ending the intro so we can get to it. All right, let's get to it. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. Visit Amazon. Pick up everything, see us live, and now sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with our guest, Mr. Maz Jabrani. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. It's about last night. And uh, and I had to fly the next day to, to Monaco for uh, like this Persian New Year event. Yeah. And this lady had booked me like a year in advance and she was so excited about the whole thing. She was like, she kept calling me like, everything's on, everything's, everything's like 
as is, right? We're ready to go. Like, no problems. I was like, no, no, it's all good. It's just all year. I'm like, relax. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I go to Sweden, four or five days in Sweden, like the, like the last day in Sweden, the night of my show, my voice starts going. And I think I got sick and something else, like you were saying, it just starts going. Oh, and I was like, oh shit. And, and then, panic so, for sure. Yeah, the night, because this is the night before the event. This, this is at my special. Ah, yes. It was at my special. It was the night before the, this Monaco thing. And I was like, oh my God. So then I, I, there was a girl that was at the show who um, was opening for me, and she used to sing and stuff. So she was like, listen, I got these lozenges. And you could take it. It's always a lozenge. Yeah, and it's got like a steroid in it or something. Yeah. She's like, use it when you have to. Was it a, just a sucret or was it some sort of weird some Swedish? Some sort of weird Swedish shit. Yeah. yeah, so it was crazy. So then, But you had to do it. At that point, when you can feel it, when you're that desperate, you're just like, I'll do anything. It could have been a lozenge. It could have been, she'd be like, look, there's this homeless guy you got to jerk off real quick. <laughs> oh, and yeah. then you got to like, his cum has like this lozenge. We don't have lozenges because now we use bum cum. Yeah, and it, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the exactly. bum cum. I, I, I think I, I, yeah, the comb. I, I think I saw that late night infomercial <laughs> yeah. two, two, two weeks ago. It's like, yeah. it's your voice going out. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get that, hit that high C anymore. And then yeah. it, it then just shows uh, Boone Shakalaka on the corner like, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. Yeah. How dare you. By the way, <laughs> a terrible Boone Shakalaka. That's a, ho- that's a horrible Boone Shakalaka yeah. impression. Is that what he sounds like? No, no it's not oh, how it Boone's much like. more high. It's up like this. It's like, what's 12 inches in white? Not a damn thing. Uh, <laughs> Love that guy. Boone Shakalaka. Uh, Are we recording? We're recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going right Wait, now. Wait, so, that, so uh, I want to ask you about that, too, doing a special in Sweden. At what point did you... I was just talking to somebody else about doing comedy overseas, and, and, uh, and I was like, when did you realize you had, like... A following over there, or were you just like, "Oh fuck it, I want to do it there"? Yeah. No, what happened was, um, first of all, the Scandinavian countries are big comedy fans, and it's like relatively young there, but they're huge fans. Like, like everybody, anytime I go there, people, the people touring me are like, "Yeah, did you know, like, yeah, I think Bird did a tour over there, Burr, Whitney, yeah, I think, uh, uh, Louis Black, yeah, uh, Louis C.K., Charlie Murphy, all these guys, everybody goes through. Wow, and they're big comedy fans, and mm-hmm. um, and for me, what happened was after Access to Evil came out. Um, I know that there's a lot of Iranians in Sweden, and the reason is because Sweden has a very open uh, immigration policy. Huh. So a lot of Im- Iranians had immigrated there. So I was like, okay, well, there, there's Iranians there. They love and then comedy. They love, and, and the Swedes love comedy. Yeah. And, and also, I know that we had sold, I think the Access of Evil special um, aired in Scandinavia, either Sweden or, Nor- or Norway, I forget which one. Mm-hmm. But I was like, hey, there's potential there. So I went to Stockholm. Stockholm to me is one of my favorite places to perform in the world. Like, Why? They're amazing. They're very. Um, it's just a very international crowd. It's very cosmopolitan. Yeah. I had. I. I the last time I was there was last. Um, actually, I was there this this March as well. But before that, when I was there in last the May May of 2014, there's a theater called the China Theater, and I don't know what it is. The acoustics or something. Man, I told them, I said, this is probably one of my three best shows ever I've ever done. Because it was just like everything was hitting. They got every joke. That's that's one of the things of doing stand-up in Europe, too, I think, compared to just in the U.S., is that... They understand. I think they're, they're they they know more inter, about international stuff yeah. than an American audience would. Mm-hmm. Um, but America, don't get me wrong. Some American audiences are great as well. But so Sweden was amazing. And you go out there and you do like last time I was out there, I did a crazy tour because because you do Stockholm, which is rock and roll, right? It's a theater, all this stuff. Then yeah. they then they were like, we're we're going to throw in. I forget what it was like. Um, there was a place called Bergen. I think Bergen was in Norway. I don't know. Whoever's listening, could something, probably look it up. Something with a lot of consonants. Yeah, and, what, so, and Bergen. Not, Bergen. 
It would, uh, yeah. Not to be confused with Candace Bergen, not Candace Murphy Bergen. Brown. Exactly. Wait, they didn't name the town after her? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've named they something. Should've. They named the uh, bum cum lozenge after her. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but, it was, the but, but so you end up in some cities where you're like, oh, there's only like, you know, 80 people here. Like, what, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you may as well be, do, well, well be doing a club. Because I'm not, it's not like I'm nationally known over there, mm-hmm. but, in the, but in the major cities, they come out. But and, did you have to do a ton of promoting for it, or were they just like, oh, cool, a comic we haven't seen before that's coming over here? No, I think most people that came to my shows are probably fans um, and and then sometimes the, here this was interesting you have a following at this point right like you I got, got a following I got, yeah. a, I got a small following like in the major yeah cities, but you have a following yeah and yeah. you pack out places because of it yeah well well, listen if you first of all if you have some oh, clips raise your online voice me. Hey, <laughs> listen <laughs> my voice can work worse. no if you have um if if you have some like like your your clips online like yeah. like I know like Gabriel Iglesias is huge Pablo right. Francisco because their clips have just circulated Burr there. and Russell blew up from clips right yeah clips sure. will help a lot so those clips help you over there a lot they come out they want to laugh the the interesting thing to me was my very last show because I did I did I did uh, twelve cities in fourteen nights so I was like flying driving wow. flying and it was That's- Holland. Yeah. So it was Holland. It was Belgium, named after Mr. Holland's Opus. Holland's oh, Opus, all, of course. Uh, Belgium, named after the beer, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and then it was uh, Norway, uh, Sweden, and I think that was it. Was that it? Jesus. So, so, but the last show was in Trondheim, which is in the northern part of Norway. Yeah. And it's this beautiful, just pristine city, and and you forget, like it was May, so it was like eleven o'clock, and it was bright out. But it was oh, right. beautiful. Just a beautiful city. Yeah, the 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 time difference. Yeah, nor- yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't say that like you know anything about it. Well, no, because I've you? heard. <laughs> I I haven't been over there, but I I like. There's a bunch of comics that have been over there, and uh, I think it's kind of the same thing when I've done shows in Alaska, where yeah, it's 11 yeah. p.m. because it's north, and yeah, it's so far north that it's bright outside. Does that throw you off, or you? It, th- it, it kind of excited me. Unfortunately, I was so tired, and I wasn't there with like I was I was every town I would go to, they would just bring like a local opener. So yeah. I wasn't there with like a buddy or like right. with my wife or something that we could be like, let's go check out the, the nightlife. It yeah. was just like I was exhausted. Like, yeah. like, so I was like, oh, this is cool. And I, you just look out your window and you're like, what a beautiful, like there was mountains and stuff. But here's what's crazy. I'm assuming their nightlife is pretty crazy over there too. Yeah. I'm sure the nightlife yeah. is crazy. I mean, it's just like. The Swedish clubs have got to be all sorts of fucking. There's probably. Just filled with beautiful people. Beautiful people. And there's probably <laughs> one that they just like, ju- like they've got like a bunch of like uh, holograms of like the Swedish chef, like from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> just like fucking. Yeah. Fucking, so fucking like, weird, like weird Swedish girls, like yeah, Muppets so like you, it's, yeah. like, it's like you walk in and it's just a chef going, Bjork, Bjork, Bjork. yeah, for sure. <laughs> but just like, a really wow. crazy beat. Yeah, yeah this is this giving is out ass. He's a DJ. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but no, but so so this was this this was interesting to me because I woke up that, that that was my last city on the tour. Wake up at six in the morning. I get in my uh, cab and there's a Norwegian guy. By the way, the Norwegians are the cab drivers. It's not like. It's not Middle Eastern dudes, not they Mexicans. They, they, they didn't bring a, in a minority from somewhere no, else? No so minority. Drive their it was Norwegian was driving. How are they doing yes. So instead of yeah. like Hagbar, it was like Bjorn? Bjorn. And, <laughs> and Bjorn, it's amazing because I think they make like a decent living over there because all the other stuff's paid for, like like healthcare and all right. this other stuff. So, But it was interesting because I got in there and he was like reading a paper at six in the morning and then he looks at me and he's like, oh, I, I, I heard you, I, I read about you, you had a, a good show last night. <laughs> And I'm like, you read about me. There was a good show. It was literally yeah. the night before. Wow. And he's like, yeah, right here. And then like, I, I, I looked at it, and there was like, there was a review from my show in the local paper 
that like someone had come and reviewed it and they give within you within five hours within five hours and then they give you uh, d- uh you know the a dice has you know one two three four five up to yeah. six so six is the best so i got right. six on the dice hey and the guy was like you got a six i was like wow. really i was like i got six baby yeah man yeah so, that's good in monopoly and in reviews for and comedy shows and in tron time yeah and in tron not, time yeah. not, not since bjorn borg won wimbledon had anyone gotten a six <laughs> yeah i did I, that's I, the I, only I swedish name i could pull out yeah that's, that's great and i don't yeah. even think he's yeah, swedish, but i was in norway German. <laughs> no, no, he, no, Bjorn Borg is Swedish. Is he? Bjorn Borg is Swedish. Woo! Bjorn Borg, I have a story about, I have a story about Bjorn Borg. That, How do you have a Bjorn Borg story? Dude, I got, I got stories. My Bjorn Borg story turned into, it, it, it turned into a joke. It turned into a joke because what happened was, again, I'm on this tour where it's, where it's every, you know, every night, different city. Yeah. I don't have time to do laundry. No. Nope. So by day 10 or 11. Bjorn Borg I'm, does, though. Bjorn Borg does. <laughs> is that where the story's going? Exactly. No, I'm at the airport and I'm like, dude, I got to buy some underwear. So I, I, I go to this little shop. I look over now. As a kid, when I first moved to America in the late 70s, mm-hmm. uh, was born, born in Iran, yeah. moved to America in the late 70s. Um, keep listening, people. Keep he listening. Just said he's born from hey, Iran. It's okay. We just it's got the okay. nuclear deal today. <laughs> we, today. Yeah. yeah. A few hours ago. Good what? things are happening. Yeah, yeah. Iran and the U.S. Nuclear deal, baby. Nuclear Fuck deal. Yeah. 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 Cuba and Iran, one year. Um, Look at that. That's let's unbelievable. do it. Next spring break. Um, listen, <laughs> what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, uh, I was a huge fan because when I moved to America in the late 70s, Borg was the shit. It yeah, was, that it was, was Borg like and McEnroe. Right. It was amazing. You big so tennis guy? I became like for for a minute. Yeah. I became really big, yeah. and I like I bought the Donne racket. He had the Donne yeah. racket. I had the Fila sweatsuit. I wanted to be like Borg. Please tell me you had the hair. I did not have the, the, the hair. The, I had hair, but not that the hair. The big blonde I mullet. I wish. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God! If my parents would have let me. Um, so uh, so. So then, you know, then then I hadn't heard about him in a long time, and I'm a big fan. And I was like, whatever happened? And like, you know, you read about like your heroes, yeah, and I read mm-hmm. like like he had some like financial problems and this and that. So I'm in Sweden, I'm in Stockholm, uh, one of those airports, and I go I go to the to buy underwear, and there's Borg underwear. He's got a line of. I was like, and I was like, I was like, wait a minute, is that the Borg? And the guy was like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, I'm buying that. I bought a bunch. I bought a bunch of Borg underwear. It was amazing. And then the joke I do, I said, you know, I say now I recommend it to everybody. I go because ever since I bought the Borg underwear, and now when I walk down the street, my balls just play tennis with each other. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's fantastic. I love that I pulled yeah. out a random Bjorn Borg reference. And he had like, a story in the chamber. I, uh, well, of course, no, I have a. Bjorn but no, Borg but story. listen to this. Here's what's crazy. But when you travel, look at our jobs, man. When you travel, we're all going to continue to accumulate stories like that. And oh, that's yeah. only because of what we do. Oh, yeah. Which is why it's the fucking best. It's the best. It's the best. And here's what's crazy is because we assume that everybody else is kind of in the same realm, but right. they're not. And so what happened, like in Sweden, I did the Borg story. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did the Borg joke. Place blew up because they know who Borg is. It's like oh, saying it's like saying Michael Jordan over right, there. Right, yeah, yeah. I started doing it here in, in America, and people. So I would a couple nights. It was like lukewarm response, and I look out in the audience. I realized some of these guys are too young to know who Borg is. Yeah, they have no idea. And I was like, Do you guys is. know who Borg is? And the guy was like, Uh, uh-uh. uh. And I was like, What? You gotta say Serena Williams. Serena Williams are turning <laughs> yeah. around. I actually did. I changed it one time. I changed it to Rafael Nadal underwear, and they still didn't know who that was. Oh, Jesus! Jesus. Yeah, yeah, what can a guy LA? do? You know, I mean, I guess do? you just gotta go with Federer because he's got a Gillette commercial. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Or I gotta be like, you know, I got, uh, you know, did you know LeBron James has <laughs> yeah. underwear? I bought a pair. Now my balls are ju- just dunking yeah, yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dunking my balls. They're throwing bounce passes with mm. my testicles, yeah. which I'm sure might have been the ad campaign. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> my balls are shooting three-pointers, whatever. Yeah. That, that's insane that, uh, I mean, 
first of all, it, it's so great that you're getting to go to all these different places, and you are truly an international comedian. You really are, because you go everywhere. I try. You know what I tell people? I say that, like, I think, but I think comedy has opened up for all of us, and I think, especially if you listen, if you part of it is you pick up stuff as you go to these places. Absolutely. So if you go to a place like. You know, uh, 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 wherever. If you go to a place like Scandinavia and you get jokes about there and then you end up in the Middle East and you do jokes about Scandinavia, they still are with you because they're like, oh, he's talking about there and now he's going to talk about here and now he's going to talk about, you know. So there's something to that. But I also think that because of the internet, the world is a lot smaller. I think back, like, you know, in the 80s, people would be like, yeah, you know, I'm doing the Cleveland ha-ha and the whatever and whatever, that's it. And that's it. Now, like, when I go to the Middle East, when I was in the Middle East last, they were like, yeah, Chris Tucker was recently here. Um, the Wayans brothers were there in the Middle um, East. In the Middle East, uh, Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin. When I did Saudi Arabia, they were like, "Yeah, we had Eddie Griffin." I go, "How did?" And they go, "Cause they told me." I go, I, "They go work clean." And I was like, "How did Eddie Griffin work clean?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. In it's Saudi not exactly, Arabia, because uh, well, we all know that you can show undercover brother to children. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but no, but it's like, but it's like you know. But I guess what he did, they were telling me, was like he did forty five minutes clean. Yeah. And then towards the end, he was like, "They told me to keep it clean. You guys wanted to go clean." And what's crazy in Saudi Arabia in Riyadh, they're doing now public shows because in the past. The guy promoting it, it was more like an underground thing. So he would do it in like <clears throat> private places. So like they would have mm-hmm. a mixed crowd. Now in the public places, like to your left is all guys and to your right are families. What? Interesting. Yeah. So I suppose like when Eddie Griffin was like, would you guys like me to, you know, should I keep going clean? The guy, all the, the, the people on the left, the guys were like, no, we want you to cuss. Yeah. yeah. So he started cussing the last 15 minutes. And then, but the, it's, and then it, and, and, and the families were just like, this is horrible. And the families, yeah. And I, I experienced that because I was there and I would, do a jo- I would do a penis joke and the left side would laugh. Yeah. And the right side would look shocked. And then I would do like a joke about my kids and the right side would laugh and the left side would stare at me like, kids? Like, we're all kids. Why the separation? Do you know? Well, that's how it is. So they're not supposed to have like – Saudi Arabia is one of the more strict countries in that sense. So like mm-hmm. the, the men and women sit separately. Restaurants. Uh, if you go to a restaurant, there is um, like there's a men's section and then there's a family section. So yeah. women aren't supposed to be out in public. Women can't drive in Saudi Arabia, For so they real? have drivers. So was, this was ex- ex- this was interesting. I was in Riyadh one night. We Riyadh, did a show. Riyadh, Riyadh is in what country? Saudi Arabia. That's okay. the capital of Saudi Arabia. Okay, just trying to follow. So we do. We do. I was in Riyadh one night, and um, <laughs> dun, 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 the locals. Dun, 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 dun. Brad's uh, uh, knowledge of the world is where in the world is Carmen San Diego reruns? Yeah. I, yeah. Hey, I, I've learned a lot from that. So have yes. I. I mean, yes. all I've all I've pretty much learned is that a red trench coat goes in any country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you that's go. a well, Carmen San Diego <laughs> joke. If you don't know about that, then that joke is very Listen, confusing. You and couldn't do that in. In Saudi Arabia, because you're in yeah, Riyadh. No, I, I don't even get it, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Listen, that's all right. Uh, Riyadh is east of Rosemead. Um, you just got to keep going. You just go on the 10. Just keep going east. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep going east. Keep going east. Yeah, Okay. Nice. Where is it in relation to Glendale? Yeah, um, it's just kind of southeast. Southeast. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, southeast yeah. of Glendale. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I got it. No, but um, uh, so so one night we did a show, and then they're like, hey, let's go, um, let's go eat somewhere. Like, great. And it's like now it's like one in the morning on a Saturday, whatever it was, Friday, whatever it was, the, the night off. Because um, their weekend's different than our weekend as well. Like, their oh, Friday is their Saturday and sa- whatever. Their, their okay. weekend starts Thursday. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so we're driving and we go to this strip and it's packed, cars packed, people walking around, music's blaring. I'm like, this place is happening. Oh, yeah. And then I look around, I was like, wait a minute. Holy shit, it's all dudes. Hmm. It was all dudes because the girls can't be out. 
And so, like, I was asking the guy, I was like, are there any girls on this? And he goes, sometimes, like, some of the, like, girls will get their drivers to bring them into this thing. And, like, as they're driving past another guy, like, they'll, like, throw their number at them or, like, they'll exchange, like, texts or whatever. That kind of stuff goes down. But for the most part, they can't do that. And then and you look out the cafes and all the cafes, just a bunch of dudes sitting around. And the guy was like, you know what sucks? And it was hot. It was hot as hell. And the guy's like, you know what sucks? He goes, I can't even go sit out there with my wife right now. Like, they wouldn't let me do that. So they're segregated like that, and it's the trippiest thing. Like last time I was at uh, in Saudi Arabia, I go, uh, I went to go to a restaurant with these, you know, the promoters, yeah. and there are a couple guys, and we start going in, and the guy at the door is like, "Oh no, no," he's like, uh, "You know, single section is on the, on the other side." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Single means like a guy, like you're not there with your family. Right. You could be married, but you're still considered single because you're there with other dudes." And then I made it a joke as well. I was on stage. I was like. I was like, yeah, when I went there, the guy was like, single, single. I was like, yeah, okay, we'll go, I'll go sit with the single people. Let's see what's up. <laughs> yeah, and, I go, exactly. and then I go, I go sit down. I look around. It's a bunch of single dudes. I was like, I was like no, not gay single, yeah, yeah, mixed yeah, single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But, but it's a trip. It is a trip. Right now, going to India for the first time through Raj oh. uh, Sharma next January. Yeah. Any, uh, any just quick tips? I mean, I've, never been, I've never done but, India, oh, but really? I'm sure that India is like, I've heard that, that the Indians are like big comedy fans, and, I, yeah. and I'm sure... You know, listen, first of all, I think anytime uh, you go as an outsider and you talk about them for the first five, ten minutes and your experiences, mm-hmm. like you don't want to just go right on stage and be like, whatever. So, uh, Glendale. Yeah, what about funny. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Well, the I-5 traffic. It's yeah. right. I go to the OC, Orange yeah. County. You guys yeah. know. So, yeah. yeah. Do not go there. Like, well, you want to yeah. go up there and be like, holy shit, like, you guys... And, and be complimentary at first. Like, you know, this is beautiful, this, that, and the other. And, like, but like, but but we have to pull over for a cow and what, whatever experience yes, yeah. you have. I, I totally agree. And I uh, adapted that mentality. I'd say maybe the second year into my... Oh, had been only been headlining for three years, but, like, the second year where I was like, oh, I need to... Like, it, it made me more comfortable to, um, you know, shoot the shit in some way when I got on stage and not go right into my act. But it, I found, like, oh, this is why I need to, like, go out and do some stuff while I'm here in the city, even if it is fucking Toledo, Ohio, or whatever, just to have something organic and, like, uh, relatable to talk about right off the bat that yeah. can make them go, oh, cool. Because I think the audience gets off on you uh, on knowing, like, oh, cool, he didn't just, like, he's not coming in and coming out. He actually came in and he's like, this is where we live. And he, like... Got to experience some yeah, of it. Yeah, that, that, that outsider perspective. Yeah, I think I saw, I think Richard Pryor had a special that he did in uh, New Orleans, and, 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 and he does that. Like the first yeah. five minutes is just him mm-hmm. talking about his experience. Have you always done that, or did you, somebody kind of I think that to... was the light bulb. I yeah. think that was seeing him. I was like, ah. And then when I traveled overseas, it was impossible not to do it because you had such crazy experiences. Like you'll see the driving is crazy. The There's sure. like no lanes. There's, <laughs> there's donkeys crossing streets. There's like old ladies you know, carrying 300 pounds of, you know, produce, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, you just, you, and they love it. They, they're proud of it. Um, and, and, and it gives you like a good, some places get, you can get like 10, 15 minutes just right off the bat of just doing, yeah, talking about being yeah. there. Cause like, I, I've been to the Middle East to do U, USO tours, but you're, you're on bases. You're yeah. not like going out like, other than maybe countries like Bahrain. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but they wouldn't let us go out cause they're like, no. yeah, cause if some shit happens to you, you have like one, uh, Marine, who's like your guide, like they can't stop things from go- stop things from going on. Yeah, like they. Uh, I, I was told some crazy stories where we had we had like a female Marine guide, and that was a trip to all the locals there. Sure, and uh, men would try to take a picture with her because they said like, well, if I the only person you could take a picture with is your wife, 
So if you like take a picture with her, it's like the guy would be like, okay, now we're married. Or no, like, that that's what she told me. What? No, no, Th- that's no. what she told me. I, they, 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 if he got a picture with her, then that yeah. means they're officially married. That that that's what he was trying to tell her. Like, okay, we're no, married now. I you can't. I here. can't believe that. I mean, may, I, I mean, I mean, I doubt that. I mean, maybe to an extent, that's what maybe the, what the guy thought. Like, maybe sure. like, but 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 I know what you're saying. It's like it is it is a trip in some of these places because like exactly what I just said. Like mm-hmm. some things that you and I wouldn't believe. Like the fact that yeah. women can't drive in some places. Is pretty mind boggling. Is 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 just amazing. I mean, I mean, horrible. Yeah, I mean, well, terrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, but it's just, it's just, it's it's it is interesting. Like that's what it is. That's what the the cultural difference is. Um, if you are able to, um, you know, talk about that from an outsider's point of view. Like I said, like like Lebanon. I went to Lebanon, Beirut. Like they love. They're proud of the fact that they that that they've had all this turmoil and yet they continue to celebrate life and they party so it's like mm-hmm. that was big on their thing so i kept saying like you guys party out here and they're like yeah, yeah like they we were do proud sure of we it. fire missiles into countries but whatever yeah <laughs> once in a while you gotta do it man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well you're good like in your the your career is so amazing to me because uh with the axis of evil comedy tour and that and that was the the original tour was you ahmed ahmed who else yeah, originally tour? it was called the Arabian Nights, and that oh, okay. started in uh, 2000, where Mitzi Shore put the Arabian Nights together. It was her idea. Oh wow! And she'd been watching the news, and it was the latest uprising between the Palestinians and the Israelis. There was fighting, and she's like, "I think there's going to be a need uh, 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 for positive voice for Middle Easterners in the near future." Wow! This before she, September 11th. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Good call, Mitzi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she put us together called the Arabian Nights, and it was me, Ahmed Ahmed, Aaron Cater, Sam Tripoli. Anybody who was brown that wasn't Mexican or black was on our show. <laughs> so there was a guy named Anand Chulani who was an Indian guy that she right. found unaware. There was like uh, a couple people did like uh, she had some girls that were on there that would pretend to be belly dancers. There were white girls that were trying to belly. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> Mario Lopez, Enrique Mario Iglesias, Lopez, all those yeah. guys. Yeah, it was crazy. It was it was all a the crazy, brown, not black guys. Yeah. It was a very weird show. And I was like, and my my thought at then, like I I kind of didn't have faith. I remember being on the phone with Ahmed Ahmed and going like. Okay, we could do this once, but I was like, who's going to keep coming back? Because we didn't have that many comedians that were from that part of the world right. at that point. So I was like, I was like, if they keep coming back to the same show, that's it. Yeah, like, like our material, yeah, you like. can do black comedy night because there's so many black comedians, yeah. right? But I go, we're the, we're it. There's yeah. no more. And then eventually, what happened was all the others kind of fell off, and it became me, Ahmed, Aaron, and Sam Tripoli. Mm-hmm. And then after that. Ahmed uh, got us to go do some shows in D.C. at the D.C. Improv, and then it just became me, Aaron, and Ahmed. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. And then, and then eventually that then turned into the Axis Evil Comedy Tour, and, and we brought then, on Dino Bidala. Yeah, and then 9-11 happened. Then 9-11 happened, yeah. <laughs> but but before that, the tour, so once it really got going, though, I mean, it was that helped really um, establish all you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. It, well, I'll tell you, it wasn't just the tour. It was because the tour, listen, man, you can do so much. I mean, listen, after 9-11, we got a lot of press because... Um, people were curious. They were like, who are these Muslim comedians doing... Uh, that we've accepted. That we've accepted, <laughs> right. that are doing stand-up. And, and in all honesty, like, like, even though I come from a Muslim background and country, I don't really consider myself that religious, but I was kind of... I was doing material that dealt with the issue because it was interesting because I was very... I felt very American, mm-hmm. but I felt like it was a double whammy because these guys had attacked my country of America... Right. And then the Bush administration felt like it was attacking my people that were um, not the Iraqis, but just Middle Easterners in general, right. you know. Um, and also just in general as a human being, I yeah, felt so like the war with Iraq. Because yeah. you're, you're like, wow, I'm mad at 
not like no, I'm I wasn't torn. It was very no, it was it was very clear. It was very uh-huh. clear that 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 in my opinion, the Bush administration had manipulated what had happened to their advantage and gotten to the wrong country. I, I really felt going into Iraq and starting a war was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, percent. Yeah. you know, and so that's how I, and I've, I felt that before all the facts came out and I feel that now. And I think a lot of people now also go, Oh yeah, maybe we're wrong, but, but some people still argue that it was right. But I, sure. you know, cause people, it's so funny in America. That's what, what, what upsets me sometimes is when we accept like a phrase, you know, they go like, you know, um, you know, they, they, they did it because they hate our freedoms. They, they flew the planes into our buildings because they hate our freedoms. No dumbass. That's not why they did it. It's a deeper issue. There's a political issue. We have a military in Saudi Arabia. These guys, mm-hmm. what their act, their act that they did was not right, flying the planes into the building. Yeah. But what they're saying, if you reverse it and you put it on you, and, and they're saying, look, uh, why does America have a presence in Saudi Arabia, a military base in Saudi Arabia, and they're saying that the Saudi leadership is corrupt. and So they're saying, therefore, we want to fight against the Saudi leadership and against America. So you sit there and you go, oh, I understand the argument. I'm not saying I support the argument. Right. I'm not saying that I would ever yeah, support... W- let's make that clear. Yeah, I'm never... <laughs> Some but, Mahat isn't saying it no, was a good thing. But that's no. what I'm saying. So no, like, no, whenever, no. You say, whenever you say like things like, oh, you know, the war with Iraq was wrong, people go, well, you, so you like Saddam Hussein? No, I didn't like... Saddam Hussein was bad. He was a dictator. Yeah. But look at the results of what, of what we have now. We never hear the number of... How many Iraqis have been killed? We never get that number. We get the American troops, three, 4,000 maybe. I'm not sure exactly where we're at now. But mm-hmm. um, Iraqi, Iraqis... I've talked to journalists... American journalists who've covered it, and they're saying it's well over a hundred thousand, easy. Wow! And so you sit there and you're like, oh wow! And then you think, and then you think about it strategically, and you go, wait a minute. Um, we were saying that one of our uh, bigger enemies in the region is Iran, but Iraq itself is a Shiite man, uh, majority, but it was being led by Sunnis. So as soon as we pick, got rid of the Sunni leader, mm-hmm. that's when the Shiites come in and they want control, and then that's when the Sunnis, who are a minority, then they start forming ISIS, and now we've got, you know, we've kind of created, if you think about it, strategically speaking, if you go back to what those 19 hijackers did, mm-hmm. we played right into their hands because oh, we yeah. basically fought their war for them because we said, here you go, we'll go ahead and get rid of Saddam because when Saddam was there, you wouldn't have had this kind of terrorism happening because they would have clamped down on it. But, and, and again, I'm not supporting Saddam, I'm just saying, right. so, so my, the, the point... It, 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 it's more of just the law of unintended cause and effect. Like, no, it's the more the, 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 the issue that the Bush administration either knew what they were doing, right. and they, they felt fine about it, because if you look at it in the bigger picture, when you find out com- companies like Halliburton and some of these other bigger companies made a ton of money out of it, mm-hmm. you go, oh, well, this starts making some sense. Or you think about, the, uh, like, a great documentary to see is, is Why We Fight. It's all about, like, uh, the military industrial complex and it talks about um uh um you know there's weapons manufacturers and these guys are making weapons and if we don't sell or buy those or use those weapons they're just going to sit there yeah so war is good for business yes. so that so we lo- uh, lord of war with yeah exactly yeah, and and you think about and the other thing you think about is like um you know uh um i, I forget I, I read some statistic or something that said like once after september 11th um arms sales like i don't know quadrupled or quintupled or whatever it just went a lot higher and we're the number one arms dealers so what i'm trying to say is that i think that 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 gave us a lot of material because at first after september 11th i was like this is bullshit we need to attack the terrorists go get them blah 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 Mm -hmm. but as soon as bush came out and was like all right so now we're gonna go and attack iraq i was like wait a minute wait a minute you're tying the terrorists to iraq 
but really you're not you you know you're you're sidestepping what we were supposed to do like after September 11th happened there was uh, a candlelight vigil held in uh Tehran the capital of Iran yeah uh, in 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 uh in honor of the victims and, and, like kind of mm. telling the Americans look we're with you yeah, hey. but that didn't get that much press what got press was those there was that group of like whatever it was Palestinians or whatever they were that were jumping up and down celebrating throwing candy in the air yeah, and if you would have sure. just turned the camera a little bit to the right there's probably normal people just leading their lives but there's only like 20 people celebrating but then all, Fuck, all Americans man. go Americans go see they, they're all celebrating yeah. propaganda and, and, yeah. that, and, and, that, and that's gotta be an increasingly frustrating for you because you're sitting there going like no we well, that's like we don't want that kind well, of that, stuff. That, to what, what frustrates me is then that then that then that makes me go, oh wait a minute, my comedy. I do have a purpose here with this comedy now with the Axis Evil tour, which is to really go out and make fun of this, right? Make fun of what Bush is doing, make fun of um, the perception, make fun of the fact that there's idiots out there that are going around shooting Indian Sikhs who have nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Um, even if you re- found a Muslim with a turban, you don't just go out and shoot him, you fucking idiot. Right. right? That guy had nothing to do with it. You know, he's right. just leading his life. But you're an idiot, so you're going to go do this. So I realized, wait a minute, our comedy has a, has a purpose here. And so what happened was, so after, 2000, 2000, after September 11th, we start getting some press, and we get some, you know, you get some uh, 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 traction with your career as well. But, I mean, I was only, I started stand-up at 98, so I'm like three, two, three years into it at that oh, point. Shit. So, but what happens is, as you go like to 2005 and 2006, 2007, now we're getting better and better. Our comedy's getting stronger. Our tour is getting stronger. We're starting to get more and more visibility. And that's when it came together. And really what I think helped all of us a lot was when the special came out on Comedy Central. And when it came out on Comedy Central, it was it, we got a lot of press. We got a lot of people seeing us that normally wouldn't see us. We yep. got letters from people like from South Carolina going like, "My husband's in the military, and I'm happy you guys are doing this because wow. there were pe- people in the military. You know, we underestimate the people in the military. They're they're smarter than we give them credit for, and they're not all on the on the side of like let's kill them Arabs. Some yeah. of them are like, "Hey, why are we right. at this fight?" So yeah. so. Um, there was that, and then the other thing that really helped was that's when YouTube was really starting to take off. So then I would get these clips of my own my own clips. Remember back then it was before like you wouldn't put your clip on on Facebook because Facebook wasn't around yet. Yeah. Right. So what would, what would happen is somebody would have a big ass email list, and the clip would be in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And, and that would kept and I kept getting that kept from different people. Yeah, it was, was like it was oh. weird cat videos or uh, <laughs> women getting hit by trains. Yeah. Or, uh, I got <laughs> fucked up friends, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Mazda Brani doing comedy. Or two girls, one cup. Or <laughs> Mazda Brani. There you go. Yeah. So, Wait. So what was and what was the clip that? Um, there was, was a just, one. There was one that I did. I did a joke about how Iranians don't say we're Iranians, but say we're Persian, and because it sounds nicer and friendlier, and we'll be like, "I'm Persian. Uh, I'm right. like the cat. Meow." <laughs> and that that became the thing, and it started oh, circulating. Dude. And then everywhere I'd go, people would be like, "Hey, Majibani, Persian cat. Meow." And I was That's like, "Holy cool. shit, this is kind of happening." So was yeah. that your first taste of some, uh, you know, celebrity fandom with people mimicking yeah. bits back to you? Yeah, it was interesting. What was interesting was I did the movie Friday After Next, which was the Ice Cube movie. Yeah. It was the third mm-hmm. Ice Cube movie, and so when that came out, um, that was I think that had a big um, black and Latino fan base. Absolutely. So I would get recognized like and Jewish and Jewish. People forget. <laughs> okay. Forget. Yes, they showed it in my temple when I was nine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, dude, yeah. it was big. It was uh, I, I, I stick up for my people, but we really didn't like the Friday movies. I'm yeah, sorry. Really? Yeah. I, I have no idea. I loved them. <laughs> no, it was it was a fun movie, but it wasn't like a critically acclaimed movie. It was like sure. yeah. a fun, you know. Yeah. So I had gotten people recognizing me from that before Axis of Evil, but they would recognize the character. The character I played was Molly. 
Mm-hmm. So I'd be walking down the street, people were like, hey, what's up, Molly? Hey, it's Molly. Yo, it's Molly. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's cool. People know he's Molly. But after Access to Evil, people started knowing my name, which was great because then you go, oh, okay, now my brand is getting out there. Yeah. yeah, there's a difference between people meowing at you like a Persian cat and then like <laughs> actually kind of having some name to tie, associate you with. Yeah, well, no, the Persian cat actually helped my name become, like, they're like, Maz Jobrani, Persian oh, cat, okay, meow. Cool. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah. Before okay. that, it was, yo, it's Moli from Friday After Next. Got you know? it, okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's like if you did Batman, people were like, it's Batman. But then, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I get, uh, yeah, I get Wee Man from Jackass and that wasn't even me. So, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, but like, how is it for you when you sort of, because you sort of became a comedic voice for an entire people that isn't entirely represented. Like, if you look at the history of comedy, there's not a lot of Middle Eastern comedians. Yeah. So, like, you guys, like, do you feel some sort of added responsibility? No, it's funny. Actually, I, I wrote a book, by the way. My book is called yeah. I'm Not a Terrorist, but I, buy, but I play one on TV. Yes. Buy it at uh, Amazon.com. Available oh, yeah. on Amazon.com. Amazon.com. You, you can go to aboutlastnightpodcast.com, click on the Amazon banner, and then yeah. go buy Maz's book. I'm not a terrorist, but I've played one on TV. Yes. Um, so it's my biography. I write it, and, and I wrote it, you know, I tried to be funny with it, and uh, and part of it I talk about, I talk about, let, like, I remember we were in um, we were in Denver doing shows, and it was at the Democratic uh, Convention oh, uh, in oh, 2008. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'd, they'd gotten like a, like a little club or something on the side. And there was like, it was it was sponsored by the Arab American Institute. And there was just I mean, a mixed crowd or whatever. What does Hillary smell like? Hillary's <laughs> delicious. Um, none of those people were there. Oh, it, was okay. just, it was just like, you know, it was just regular yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, so it was, um, we did two shows. So the first show we did, it was fun. Then we had some drinks. And so I was kind of loose on the second show, did the second show. And then... Um, and then I got an email from some guy going like, "Hey man, I was at your shows the other night, and you know I'm really upset because uh, you were clearly on drugs." And I was like, "What?" And the guy and the guy kept insisting that I was on drugs. I was like, "No, dude, I don't I don't do drugs. Like, I mean, I've done ecstasy in the past. I've smoked weed, but that's it, and I don't do it that often." So it's like, and I also I, wasn't on drugs. Yeah, I wasn't so on you're drugs. wrong. Yeah, so you're wrong. And then and then I was and he was kind of insistent on it and I go I go no I go listen I, you know I did have some tequila that night so maybe I was kind of you were maybe hearing some and he was telling me he's like you should be a, you should be ashamed because you are um uh, um uh, like a uh, what you call it a um uh, role model it? role model yeah. you're a role model for for our community and for the younger people and da, 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 da. and I was like what are you talking about anyway we went back and forth and then it turned out the guys like you know I used to work in police uh, you know in in, in uh, uh, like drug enforcement or something, and I and I thought that was the case, and I basically we ended up like he ended up become he was a nice guy in the end, yeah, and he mm-hmm. and he realized what I was saying, but but then I realized that people might be throwing this role model label at me, but I was right. like I don't want to be a role model. I was like I will do I'm Charles gonna, Barkley, Maz Jabrani, same thing. No, I'm not a role model. You're right though, man, because that's it's not why you're doing it. Not at all why I'm doing it. And a lot of people would like sit there and they go, you know, like you're you're doing this material, that material, you're representing your people. I go, no, listen, I'm do. First of all, my number one hope and goal is to be funny. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're going to do a joke about Bjorn Borg and my balls playing tennis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I find uh, that laughing funny. Laughing again. Yeah. yeah. Like if you used to yes. said that every 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and that's funny to me. So it's not always going to – and nowadays, like with my kids, I do a lot more material about kids now than I do sure. about any kind of political stuff. And don't and you so, feel like, too, if you are a role model, I think there's an extra – I feel like if you're so in the limelight and you have the role model thing uh, slapped on you, you can't totally be yourself, right? Not especially at all. publicly. Not so, either. what are you being a comic for if you can't speak your mind? Absolutely. Uh, so, so to say a comedian is a role model, I mean, 
you know, I mean, it's like we get it, and because you're you're the voice of a people that didn't have a voice, but at the same time, that can't be your number one thought. Is how is this joke going to represent Middle Eastern people, Muslim religion, yeah, etc. Et your you got, first thought as a comedian always has to be, is it funny? What's my point of view? Yeah, what's my point of view? What do I want to talk about? I'm not a jukebox. I'm not going to take requests. I've done yeah. when I was doing. I think like maybe it was like my second tour or something. Like I was. And I was doing more material about my kids and stuff. And I remember it was in Boston, and some lady came up afterwards. She's like, "You know, you should do more jokes about Persians." And I was like, "Thank you, but I, <laughs> but that's it. Like, I'm not going to listen to you because first of all, my audiences are mixed. There's Absolutely. all kinds of different people there. Secondly, my life now is what it is. And sometimes that comes back to bite you. Like I was, I was recently doing a show again in Beirut at American University of Beirut. So. They're younger. They're co- it's a college crowd, mm-hmm. and I I got into my after I did my ten or fifteen minutes of like local stuff. Yeah. I got into my family stuff, and I kind of lost them. I was going to say how yeah. they're too young. They didn't get it. I did a college once, and for the first time, started doing material about my nieces, five year old twin girls. They were just like not into it because like, hey man, we don't have that yet. Yeah, and yeah. then so then I started making jokes about like, oh you guys don't have kids. Well, some of you probably do. You just don't know yet. And then that got an awkward silence because I was just making a joke about them, right? You know, the, like, unprotected sex, yeah, teenage yeah. pregnancy. They're uh, like, oh, we do, but we don't really yeah, want to talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, Can you go back to making sensitive... <laughs> jokes about the Thundercats, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did do um, having such a wide uh, audience? Was there ever a point where it got so um, centralized on one, like uh, one demo, and you were like maybe like nervous, like oh shit, I'm just gonna have. Yeah, I hate that. I, I I hate it when I I don't do well with just one demographic. Like, so mm-hmm. if I, if I get hired by like the Persian student group or the Saudi student group or like the liberal white group, whatever it is, right? I don't do that well because I like to go into the audience, be like, who's from here? Who's from there? Do we have any Mexicans? Yeah, do we have any this? Sure. Do we have like sometimes you get people from places you've never like you don't know much about, and then you start talking to them. You know, you're like, which is great about staying up in L.A., don't you think? Because you're always feel like for the most part getting a wide range of people yeah i think so i think that's fun and i and i think it's like i was talking what was i was at the factory and i was doing crowd work and i was talking to this girl there was this black girl from africa i forget it was like uh was it no it was like zimbabwe i forget where it was Mm -hmm. it was some country that i didn't know much about so then i could have fun with it i was like so i was like so i was like so is this a zimbabwean accent you know she's like no you idiot i'm like okay i'm trying yeah Yeah. that's all i know yeah Yeah. that's all i know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do lines from the lion king and uh (laughs) hopefully you think it's funny well it's fun it's fun because we could play we could play kind of the 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 stupid idiot yeah you know because there's two ways to go about it one is to be an asshole which mm-hmm. which is just not my personality. Yep. No, you're not. You're uh, most friendly guy. You know, uh, and and or, and the other way is to just be the ignorant idiot. And, and yeah, just, I think and, that's a great part to play, and I yeah. play that too. And I yeah. think that card is always keeps people on your side too, because yeah. then they're like, because I'd say a majority of the people are have the same mindset you do about that moment. Absolutely, so there's mm-hmm. not that many people that know like the, what what, Fuck what no, what, no one know. in the back's gonna yell out like, actually, that's not how Zimbabweans talk, asshole. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. They, like they like yeah. they don't know either. They're, yeah, they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, and I mean, you're making conscious efforts to have a diverse audience in your stand-up act. Um, but like I read your IMDb page, your credits are insane. You've like you've been on so many TV shows. Uh, is is it hard? Does Hollywood try to pigeonhole you and say like you're the Middle Eastern guy? You know, Can you play the Middle Eastern. It's guy? hard. It's Hollywood. I, I I I talk about it, but I also don't blame Hollywood that much because I I always say first of all, 
people write what they know, right? So, sure. if, so if I'm if I'm a white dude, I'm going to write the story that the story that I know, yeah. and and so yeah, I'm gonna I, I need to cast a uh, an FBI agent. Well, he's going to be a blonde dude with glasses, and he's going to be buff and whatever, right? Right, right, right. Uh, very rarely am I going to sit there and go, you know what? What if we made him a Middle Eastern dude? That has, you know, because there are, there's Middle Eastern agents, uh, there's Persian cops I've run into. Yeah. I played, I played a, uh, an Arab American Secret Service agent in uh, the movie The Interpreter. So that was, that was one of those Fuck where I yeah. think, yeah, that's one of those where I think that they probably were like, let's get a guy to be this, you know, mm-hmm. and so whoever was, whoever was doing it had this thought. And they might have, right around then, there was actually an, an issue where um, there was an Arab American Secret Service agent who was, um, Getting on an airplane to go down to Texas to to be on uh, Bush's detail, yeah. and he had a gun. Getting on the plane, oh, but God. they but they but they're allowed to like they're secret sure. service. They have they have the, they have the credentials. Yeah, but the, but the pilot wouldn't fly with him, so that became oh, a whole big thing. Yeah, so so see, I didn't even hear about that story. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, so I think maybe that story might have inspired why that writer did. I'm, mm. I'm guessing. I don't know why that writer might have read it and been like, oh, let's just put one in there. Sure. Um, uh-huh. But but yeah, definitely. I think for the most part, listen when they have. Cab driver, uh, falafel store owner, uh, <laughs> terrorist. They're going to think of me yeah. and people that look like me, right? right? So I don't blame them, but I do love so it. So that's who's beating me out for the falafel store. But I do get excited when they go, listen, we're bringing you in for just like the, this guy. You know? Yeah, because you have a lot of roles that you've played that they could given anybody yeah and and listen i've been on the other I, like i made a movie uh a couple years ago now hopefully it'll come out early next year but um it's called jimmy bestwood american hero um oh, yeah. but we had to cast as well and i realized it's a hard process casting because sure. you have all you want to put all your friends in there <sighs> yeah and then one friend's a little bit better than the other one or maybe they got a look that's that the other one doesn't how much of it is look because i uh we, we've talked about this in in you know moments and you know the amount of things i've uh gotten down to the last few and lost are so many and yeah. I at that point it's not ability because it's yeah. if you the last few and you had to go through the ringer for a handful of things and I've you know I worked at a casting house for a little bit so I know how much but I've gotten away from really understanding how much that factors in but well, obviously that's a huge thing, but also it's like it's not just your look; it's yeah. the look of the girl that you're supposed yes. to be the husband to. And people yes. are going like, "I don't right. believe that these two would be together, yeah. right?" Wow. I mean, because and so many cooks in the kitchen, right? So or, many or, cooks in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe someone's best friends with somebody. Yeah. I mean, that's why you got to just let it go, and that's why. And this is advice I give to everybody, but I I need to take it myself, which is I say just create your own stuff, just cast yourself, yeah. be the guy you're going to cast yourself as a high powered attorney. Who uh, is whatever uh, going through a sex change? All right, yeah. <laughs> nobody would nobody would cast you as that. Right, but you're like I'm going to do it. You know, but, so, at, but Adam's like you know what? I want to be the guy going through a sex change. Absolutely. And, and Adam, I applaud your decisions. I'm very method. Uh, I'm no, very method. No, no judgment on this side. Hey man, yeah. the surgery wasn't that expensive. <laughs> uh, Brad actually cast me in his sex tape that he made, uh, and I played a falafel store owner. So yeah, I hate to all, fucking rub it in your face, uh, but that was yeah, it. All well. it, it, it all comes full circle. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite parts, uh, or uh, just uh, shows you've ever been on, because uh, Curb Enthusiasm is my favorite show. Yeah, it's a great and, show. And uh, here's the hotel maintenance guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the fucking best, dude. Yeah, it was fun, man. That How was, fun. was that whole? That was interesting because um, I I got the audition, and it's funny because uh, my agent had told me it's for uh, Saudi Sheikh. 
and I showed up and Saudi I looked. Saudi Sheikh? Is it, that like the new dance we're supposed to know? No, you know, the, she, the, the, the Sheikh. Like a oh, Sheikh. Yeah. Okay, Sheik. okay. Saudi Sheikh. Saudi Sheikh. No, I meant like a Saudi Sheikh. <laughs> I was going to say, is it like a new beverage at McDonald's? Like yeah, yeah, Saudi, Saudi Sheikh. Sheik. <laughs> what would that be, by the way? A lot of sand. It's sand. Wow. We'll be right back with more. He did it too. See, he did it too. It comes with blueberry. No, the Saudi Sheikh. So it was a Saudi Sheikh. And so I showed up and I look at the at the sign-in sheet and it says Indian Sikh and I was like my own That's- agent got it wrong I was like, <laughs> so I, was like I was dressed for like because I, I kind of showed up with like a suit and like a button like a buttoned up I didn't have like the full ga- like yeah. The, yeah. So, so then I was like oh man and then I go well I'll do Indian Sikh so then I went in there and it was great because you get to actually improv with Larry yeah oh, and, oh shit yeah it was it was cool and so we, you knew it was Curb when you went in yeah yeah of course yeah, 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 they, yeah. usually they tell you what yeah. you're auditioning well I don't know you said the name of the role got mixed up so I don't yeah, know no, if you no, knew but the show okay. I knew it okay was. good yeah. it's like but wow no. I thought I was going to be on Dora the Explorer yeah. and all of a sudden I'm on Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> this is way different how's Larry um, so no, it was great. So we went in there and just and, and just and just did some improv, and they were laughing, and it felt good, and you get it. And then and then it was it was such a cool experience because they just tell you, like they go, okay, in this scene, um, Larry has forgotten to tip you, mm-hmm. and you're just upset about it. That's really it. And I that's keep it. hearing about that, and I've heard that in so many interviews where it's just there's a rough outline. Yeah, they do it a bunch of different ways. Yeah. It was great because I actually one. I remember I did one take and then I was like, I went up to Jeff Garland. I'm like, Hey man, I forgot what I did on that. What, can you remind me? He's like, Just do something different. Doesn't matter. He's like, Just do whatever you want. I was mm-hmm. like, Holy shit! Because I got a handful of cameras going, so they're covering it from all angles, yeah, right? Yeah, so. yeah. It's it was a real fun show to be on because you know as, as ultimately on, when you're on a set or you're doing any kind of acting, you just want to be like you want to be in the moment and as comfortable as possible. So if you have like crazy lines to 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 to, to learn. Sometimes that takes you out of the moment because you're just sitting there trying to recite the lines. Yeah, sure. And you're not there emotionally. You're yep. just like, you know, you're like. You're not, you're not reacting to what the person across from you is saying. No, you're just thinking about what 90% your line of is. it, yeah. if you're listening out there and you're trying yeah. to be an actor, you got to fucking listen. Yeah, you got to listen. And so, and so that's why, like, whenever a, a writer or a director comes up and goes, listen, man, you, you've got the idea. You know, if, if you flub a couple lines, don't worry, just keep going. Like mm-hmm. that's where if, I think that's even in, in in auditions, I think that's great to 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 carry in where you go. If I mess up the lines a little bit, don't don't like kill yeah. myself, right? Just because keep going, just keep going. That that's what they're looking for, the emotion, you know. Well, right, and it, it's and we've all experienced this, I'm sure, on stage as comedians, where we mess up a joke or we get something out of order or we do something that we wouldn't normally do. Yeah. And to us, we know that we messed up. Yeah. But the audience has no idea. Exactly. For, it, it, was, it was their first time seeing the show. Yeah. And uh, and it, it it's it's almost always in our own heads. We're yeah. like, oh, man, we fucked up. The audience is like, no, that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, so that's what's the beauty of, of, of a show like Curb where there's no lines. Yeah. So it's like... I didn't mess. You can't mess up a line. Yeah, you just got to keep listening to the guy. So did your uh, your family see? What was the first thing your family in support of? Yeah, of your comedy career. Yeah, they're definitely now. My, you know, at first, my mom thought it was crazy because I come, you know, coming from an immigrant background, especially like Iranians and I think mm-hmm. like Indians and some of these other backgrounds. Like they really want their kids to be lawyers and doctors and engineers. That kind of that's stuff. that's no joke, huh? That's for it's real. Serious. And, and, so, and and you were pretty and you were going well in the world of academia. Like you yeah. went to Berkeley. Yeah, I went to Berkeley undergrad and then I. Was was going to be a lawyer at that point and then i realized i didn't want to be a lawyer so then i and then i got into a phd program at ucla i was going to get my phd in political science to be a professor and the first like professor month Jibrani. i was there, professor jay 
Uh, <laughs> I can totally see that, by the way, because you oh, got. Yeah. I mean, I feel by like the way the, that's a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Professor J. I'm telling you, come man. on, man. The titles there, now give me the write the script. <laughs> I mean, the way you're. I'm sure you were already a natural good public speaker before stand up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you seem like you were because I did. I did plays. You were talking about musicals. Yeah. I did like musicals in junior high, oh, and then I did God. plays. I was into it. I loved. What it. were you? Give me. Um, I was. Uh, I did Little Abner. I was Little Abner. Holy shit! Hey. Yeah, there's the videotape. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it somewhere. Oh, um. I did. I did. I think guys and dolls. Is that the? Is yeah. that? Is that Charleston? Mm-hmm. Won't you Charleston yep. with me? Yep. That, right. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I did. That was the first one I did in seventh grade. Then in eighth grade, I, I got the part of Little Abner. And then after that, we had a great theater program, and we would they would like write original stuff, and we would. This do is it. in our run. Uh, no, uh, uh, Northern California. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you moved when you were six. six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but uh, although although I would love to see guys and dolls in all radio cast, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> Please tell me there's a hello doll over there, right? Huh? They oh, they love. Yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like Iran. Iranian cinema is huge. Like Iranian cinema always is like world renowned and like winning all kinds. Who's of the awards. Meryl Streep of Iranian cinema right now? Oh, I mean, I mean, in America, there's a lady named Shohra Ardashlu. Easy for me to say. Um, sure. She was the <laughs> she was the lady from House of Sand and Fog. She was on Twenty Four. She's that lady oh, yeah. with the very thick accent, yeah, yeah, very yeah, yeah, yeah. deep. You know, so she's like. Now out here, that, that uh, she she would be that. But in Iran, there's a lot of great actors. There was a movie called A Separation, which won the best foreign picture, I think, two years ago. It's called A Separation. It is one of the most amazing. The same year, The Descendants, mm-hmm. that was the one with George Clooney, yeah, right in white, yeah. won best picture. That won best foreign, and I I saw both, and I thought Descendants was great. But if you watch Separation, whole other level. I was like, I was like, wow. Separation should have been nominated for like best film. Oh man. Intense. You can watch it with subtitles. It is crazy. And what I love about that, going back to what you're talking about, like Hollywood and stuff and like typecasting, that was a movie. There's a there's a director. His name is As Asghar Farhadi. He's like he wins all. If you're playing at home, drink five. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Asghar Farhadi reference. (laughs) He 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 wins awards all the time. And this guy just wrote a story about uh, like uh, just a a guy struggling with his life. So it was a guy who. I believe was either going through divorces or that's why it's called the separation. He's yeah. going through separation with his gotcha. wife. They've got a young daughter. He hires a caretaker because he's got a fa- his father is like uh, old and dying. And you watch this movie and it takes you in emotionally and it has nothing to do with terrorists or cab drivers mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. falafel, none of that stuff. It's a real story. And that's why. Why? Because it's an Iranian writing a story. Right. So that's why I'm saying like I don't blame Hollywood because this is they a story. This guy, yeah, you're writing yeah. what you know. This guy was writing a story of what he knew and it was amazing. So um, um, yes, yeah, so I, think, I think there's a rich culture of acting in Iran, but it's still in like the more let's say, middle to middle upper class, right. they probably are still kind of a little snooty about it. Yeah, like if you wanted to do it as a career, you know, once you've made it, they love you. Okay, so but, is this how your family uh, approached it as well? Yeah, I think my family was like, you're crazy. So first I told them, you know, I said, okay, I'll be a lawyer because of them. They, they said you should be a lawyer. I said, okay. And then, and then, and then I said, I'm going to be a professor. And already my mom was freaking out because she was like, you're not going to make, you know, what kind of money can you make as a professor? Da, 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 da. Now in your head, are you also thinking like, all right, if I'm a professor, at least I have, I'm in front of people and I can still maybe... Yeah. Or like exactly perform? it was the compromise I mean, okay. it was the mm-hmm. compromise of like a, a job that is reputable but also I get to be in front of people and also I get to talk about ideas that are really interesting to me the comedy wasn't a, an option like this comedy, wasn't in your head stand up wasn't even no because I well, listen I was a huge stand up fan I'd wanted to do stand up when I was uh, 17 and I was in a theater program all through high school so I wanted to do stand up at 17 because I was a big fan of Eddie Murphy's um, and I tried it and um 
I tried writing it and I would write it. Oh my god! And and it was funny because like the, when I would write it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then the next day, I would read it. I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> and and um and so it was for this like talent show that was coming up. And yeah. I, and basically, I chickened out. Like the material was all sexual material. Like I was like, why is our genitalia in the most uncomfortable place of our body? Why isn't it on our in the on our palms? We could just go around having sex, <laughs> high fiving people. Right. Right. It's a good joke. Right. By the way, I love because every comic has an early chunk of sex material. Yeah. And it's like, man, like that's such a great. Uh, there, somebody should make a book of like famous comedians because it's like yeah. you're, it's like your first like opinion on something yeah. that you kind of know but don't really because you're first and yeah. you're dabbling especially in especially if you watch Eddie Murphy you're like okay well that okay so that that's, that's what, what works I do. of yeah. course right. and that's also what, that, you're that's 17 so that's yes. like that's what you're passionate about like also, right, you know <laughs> aside from the joke you're making a great point why <laughs> yeah. do we not have dick hands yeah exactly dick hands <laughs> hey God you fucked up man yeah, exactly. all right well I, I think that they should make that Iranian movie yeah dick hands. <laughs> The dick hands. We know they have like the Hulk gloves at Universal Studios. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just they get? Just have dick hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the girls would well, they also have to have then um, vagina, hands. vagina, vagina, yeah. or vagina fist, yeah. vagina fist. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Vagina, yeah, God, you you like if you, you ever got a round of applause, just oh do a do a threesome. Just be I like, mean, just those, high five and banging two chicks those at the same time with two yeah, hands. And imagine yeah. those like the high fives after sporting games when oh, you're saying like good game, good game. Like those co-ed games would be a fucking giant gangbang celebration. Awesome. <laughs> so um all right so you so you start uh your so yeah, folks so, then, like, so then my folks would do this and then i and then i uh, and i said professor and she said you're crazy and then but then i went down that path and then right away i realized i didn't want to do that then i dropped out of grad school and that's when my mom like was really worried and she was like okay listen at least um become a mechanic and i was like what <laughs> yeah exactly i go i go how'd you go lawyer from professor <laughs> lawyer to, to mechanic and she her worry was because we came from a revolution she if you think about it you know, when she was in her whatever it was, mid thirties to late thirties, uh, uh, we had a revolution. She had to leave her country, and like our whole lives turned upside down. Mm-hmm. So in her mind, I think that she was still traumatized by it, and thought you need to have a job that you can do in other countries. And so her thing, her point oh. was, she goes, she goes, listen. People need mechanics. No one needs an actor. And I was like, you know what? That's a good point. Wow. That's I mean, no one needs an actor. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's well thought out. It's, it's, so in, in her mind, it's like, well, if, if you've got to pick up everything and then ditch this country because another revolution happens yeah. and you go to Canada or you go to wherever, they're going to need a mechanic in Canada. Yeah, so. you're not going to get an acting gig in Argentina, <laughs> but you can fix the shit out of a Benz, you know? Wow. I mean, and when she told you that, did you say, okay, I'll try to be a mechanic? No, or? I was like, you're crazy. And I, yeah. I really, and I realized this is what I wanted to do. But then what I had was I got a day job at an ad agency. And again, that was another one of these compromises in my mind where I was like, okay, you know what? I'll get an office job. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to work my way to becoming a copywriter. And then eventually I can become a freelance copywriter. Um, and then that will allow me to make pretty good money for half the year and then yeah. go out and audition the other half of the year and and you're and you're still creating yeah and you're, so still, you're still creating and all that field, yeah and so, so it wasn't okay. so it was till i was like 26 i was doing that and then at 26 i finally had a light bulb moment uh i was talking to this guy his name is joe ryan he's passed away since but he was at the ad agency uh he was an older and i told him my plans and i was like listen when i'm 30 i'm really going to go for this acting thing and he's like let me talk to you he goes listen when i was in my 20s there were some things I wanted to do. And he goes, I never got around to doing it. So he goes, if you really want to do it, do it. And I was like, wow, you're right. And it was a light bulb moment. So then I uh, decided to just re-enroll in uh, improv classes. And from there, I got into a stand-up comedy class. And then that was 17 years ago. I've been going since. Holy hey, shit. God, what a it. pivotal moment. So, I mean, 
was there a moment when your family was like, okay, now we accept this? Yeah, I think my mom, once she started coming around and seeing the success and seeing people laugh, I think she started going like, oh, okay, she started getting it. And then she became uh-huh. like like a supporter and a fan. Like now when I have, like she'll come over once in a while and be like, hey, I need a, I need two or three books for my friends. Like she's just like, she's taking oh, my she's merchandise. Oh, she's books. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Be, because then you know that it, because then you know that when your family does that, that they're that they're proud of you. That they're getting like, no, no, look, my son's a comedian. Like, and, and they're and they're proud of that fact. Yeah, and it's interesting now. It's like like I I've I've often said it's interesting to me too because it's like like in the Persian community and in some communities, like people know me, and in some communities, people have no idea who I am. Right. So I I kind of consider it like I wanted to do a show called My Two Worlds, and this mm-hmm. happened one time where I was like on Beverly Drive in Beverly Hills, and I was walking down the street, and there was these kids from Beverly Hills High School, and there was like five Persians and one Asian kid and mm-hmm. they all knew me and they started freaking out they're like oh my god Madhubani, what's up picture 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 we took pictures mm-hmm. and then I crossed the street and it was a bunch of like white people that had no idea who I was <laughs> Yeah, and I was wow. like it's so funny like my world's like that and so whenever my mom's around like if I'm recognized by somebody or something I think like that that makes that re- reinstates the 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 thing of like oh he's doing well he's and doing all that okay. you know? yeah 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 that's fantastic isn't it crazy man <laughs> what uh, how did when you first started doing the road and like just getting in uh, integrated into the L A comedy scene was there were there people that you um, I don't know, like a class of dudes that you met and bonded with to really like also because I feel like the support, having a support system I feel like in stand up is crucial yeah when we first started out like my crew was like it was like uh, uh, Sam Tripoli yeah. Brett Ernst Sebastian um, um, all great. Bobby comments. Lee, then? yeah. Bobby Lee was a little bit older than us, but he was probably part of that. I mean, like he, like he, he'd already been doing it for a little bit. Yeah. Um, we like me and Sebastian. I think became regulars of the. Me and Sebastian became regulars of the comedy store around the same time, and then I'd been I'd been friends with Tripoli, and I'd been trying to get him in. Mm-hmm. And um, when we did the when when we did first Arabian Nights. Um, they were looking for comedians, and I'd seen Aaron Cater one time. I didn't know him yet, yeah. but I knew he was half Palestinian. So I got a call from Rusty Dooley, who used to book the comedy store. Yeah, and he's Rusty. like, "Listen," and Rusty's a, a great guy. So oh, he's yeah. like, "Listen, um, Mitzi's trying to put the show together. She's looking for comedians that are either Arabs or whatever, Middle Eastern, Iranians, whatever." And I and she goes, "You know any?" I go, "Well, there's this guy, Aaron Cater. He's half Palestinian. Uh, so I basically, I think I probably helped get him into the club." Mm-hmm. Um, then I then I called up Tripoli. I go, listen, your last name is Tripoli, and that's the capital of uh, um, um, what you call Libya. I go, are you Arab by any chance? And he's like, no, but I'm like, my mom's Armenian. I go, I think that might work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Duncan it's knew like, Tripoli. It's like white people don't know the difference. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. And Duncan and Duncan knew Tripoli, so. I go, Duncan, what about this? And he's like, that's a great idea. So then we yeah. got Tripoli in because cause Tripoli had been auditioning for her and she hadn't been passing him. Yeah. So because he had that background, he got mm-hmm. in. And then, Which, if you've seen Sam's comedy... Has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Yeah. He, he does not go on stage and talk about it yeah. at all. Yeah. And then and then Brett Ernst. So then one night we were doing a big show in the main room and Mitzi was there watching. Yeah. And I wanted her to see Brett and it was impossible to get get sometimes get her to watch mm-hmm. so somebody came over and goes ma they go ma's mitzi wants you on next mm-hmm. and i was like oh i go listen do me a favor tell them you couldn't find me and put brett up instead so brett wow. got up in front of her killed it yeah she loved him and then made him a regular wow so that's how all those guys no kidding yeah man uh, it's so it's so cool that you had 
like that you were instrumental in the, in those guys coming up but i mean i feel like too too many times comics turn this whole business into a competition and it's just like well he's getting this and i'm not getting this and, and it is to a certain extent yeah but but, the, but first of all listen those were my buddies yeah and it was like and and they were good they were good enough that they were going to get in at some point but it was just a matter of the 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 hustle they had to keep doing and it was like yeah, let's sure. just try and make it happen and secondly the way i see it is listen if you make it and we're buddies like hopefully you're gonna find a place for me like yeah. that was what I loved about Whitney I remember being they got me to do a guest star on Whitney playing a doctor mm-hmm. and I was at the, and I was at the table read for it and so I'm playing the doctor <laughs> and then your parents are like finally a doctor yeah exactly <laughs> so I'm playing the doctor there's Whitney there's obviously Delia yeah um, and then that episode by the way there's obviously Delia is uh, definitely a show we should pitch to <laughs> should definitely, right? maybe I don't know the, the girls he's been with maybe it's a, maybe it's a TLC show where we just interview <laughs> all them obviously Delia that's funny who have you slept with? Well, it's obviously uh, Delia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, but that episode was written by. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Tone Bell was on there as nice. well. Okay, right? He was Former on the podcast. Yeah, he was, he, yeah. right. And then, and then, and that episode was written by Owen Smith. So I was like, this is nice. like a comedy store reunion. Yeah, yeah. and it felt so right. And I told Whitney, I said, this is awesome that you're doing this. Mm-hmm. So you hope that people continue to do things like that, you know? And you're I, right. Some people have. Listen, end of the day, we all have a lot of issues. And that comes from your childhood. Sure. And some people don't deal with it, and then they end up doing well in this business, and they don't know how to deal with other people and be good to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because as much as you might sit there and go, God, that guy's an asshole. No, you know what? That guy's miserable, and it's yeah. unfortunate because he'll never be happy. No matter how much fame or fortune or success yeah. he gets, he won't realize that it's not about pulling up in your Lamborghini but it's about like surrounding yourself with your buddies and giving them, you know, pitch, you know, pass, assisting once in a while. Sure, yeah, man. You know, At, yeah. You've, you've done uh, such a great job with that with uh, openers too, with uh, Amir K and Kavan. 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 Kavan, the black guy. The black guy, Kavan. I mean, if, if you take out the dash, it's Kavan. <laughs> yeah. But it's Kavan. Kavan. Uh, where did, uh, and I just want to get into before we uh, totally wrap this up, but. Um, Amir, I've gone on the road with. Uh, we, we did a handful of co-headlining things, and uh, some of the crazy stories I've ever had have been with Amir. And yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, that- Amir. Amir is like I, I tell him he's he's one of the most talented guys yeah. that I know. He's hilarious. He's talented. Just, and, yeah, um, with the, just the joke telling and the voices and the sound effects. Yeah, it's like I, I keep telling him, like you should be on Saturday Night Live. Like I he's, know, you know, man. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's a, an incredible. His because he's also a great actor, and it's yeah. like his when he goes into uh, a different character or, or a, a voice, or he's um, they're grounded. Like you always yeah. buy, you're watching that person because yeah. he kind of embodies them. Yeah, and you can tell he's just a good mimic. He picks up on the things of yeah. uh, of um, a character or a person to emulate. That is, he's uh, very good, and, and it's just a matter of time. And I've always told him, I've said like, listen. You got the talent. Now you just got to focus. Because some people are really good on the business side. They're not as good with the talent side. Right. Some people are great at the talent, not as good with the business. And again, no real training for that other than just doing it and figuring it out as you go, right? Just doing it. And I think he's made some progress on the business side as well. But it's just a matter of like getting it. Like, you know how it is. Like, nobody's got an attention span anymore. So you could be like, Look, listen, this guy's talented. He's this, that, and the other. Yeah. And unless you get like a one minute clip that like, boom, 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 it just kills. Right. Or pick some kind of pick something up on like you know uh, 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 you know people start passing around on YouTube or something, people aren't gonna listen because there's so much stuff so being, much they're now. bombarded yeah. with. So I think it's a matter of time for him. But it was great. So f- it was fun f- to have him on the road, and he would go dirtier than I would want him to. <laughs> but it was fine because it also challenged me to kind of be able to bring the crowd back. 
sure. in terms of like back to my voice. And I like I like having strong openers because I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, because you know I I think that it that it's it it challenges me to you know work harder and and also I think that they get a full show. I was going to say it makes your show better. Makes right. your walk show out better. Loving the, yeah. they walk, came for you, yeah. but like yeah, and they walk out going wow, that was that, like that was good from start to finish. I yeah. mean, no, if you have two lame openers, then you're. You you just dug yourself a bigger hole as a headliner. To well, listen, try, you to, can to, to try you, to get out of. It, it, they they enjoy your. It can go both ways because mm-hmm. if the guy's horrible, then you go up and they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but overall, though, I agree. I think that that you want to have a great show, and yeah, like I want to like my whole goal with both of those guys as we kept going was like hoping that they're that anyone in my fan base that like them would start to follow them as well mm-hmm. to the point where then they can just go on and headline you know because that's what they need to do ultimately right yeah so and i think it's happening i think it's happening for for both of them and and again it's just a matter of time any crazy stories with amir <laughs> that you're allowed to tell because yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you guys haven't gone everywhere and i mean you're you're on the road uh i mean you, there's probably no club you haven't played yeah yeah we played a lot yeah do you have played, a favorite city or a place that well just, my favorite places like are, are like stockholm uh dc san francisco those are all great places amir mm-hmm. i mean it's like constant like it's funny because we uh i've always felt like the older brother to him sure Mm-hmm. So you know we've had like all kinds of like there's like almost getting in a fight in West Nyack with this guy who was a bouncer for no reason like because Amir wears that hat of his yeah and the guy was like all right you know this guy wasn't even a bouncer he was like helping the bouncer oh, and the guy's like you gotta take your hat bouncer, off bitch. yeah but he's kind of a big dude and like sure. he was like a like and and he's like you gotta take your hat off and Amir kind of was talking back to him and then the guy says something else and then we're like you know what we're out of here and we start walking away. And this guy starts running down the street wanting to fight with Amir. And I'm like, holy shit, there's a big black dude charging us. And I'm like trying to stop, step between them. And Amir's kind of like thinking about getting into it. Like he, like he was like pumped up to him. It was me, him, and someone else. And we basically like, we, we calmed it down. And I actually, it's funny because Amir's re- referenced that since because I told him, I said, listen, dude. I go, that guy has been waiting all week to have Friday night to come and find a fight fight like night the, yeah. he's got nothing to lose yeah right. like, you've got like you're trying to get a life like, you, got a, you got a career you got yeah. a life like, like why would you engage in that this is a great story for him that people expect and will be pumped to hear like yeah. this for you is like yeah. the for end you, of a lot of shit yeah it's like don't get yourself into that situation so we, you know we've had stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and uh, have you yourself been in fights I'm not. I don't get into too many fights. I'm. I'm pretty mellow. Like I try to avoid them. I. I again. I think every I'm, time I've seen you, you're always smiling and yeah, happy. Yeah, you I'm are a nice a happy guy. guy. I mean, I got nothing to fight about. I've. I've actually. Yeah. It's funny because I broke up a fight there, and then one time I was with Kayvon uh, when he was touring with me. We were at like a at a club after uh, one of the shows, and it was weird because I think because Kayvon's a good looking guy, and I think that there must there must have been a girl that was kind of like giving him the eye or something and I think the girl might have been there with a guy and then the guy got pissed and was kind of like staring Kayvon down and I'm sure. like and, poor, and Kayvon's not a fighter either no. and I had to like get in the <laughs> well, middle well he's not but Kavan is his Kavan is yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel yeah yeah exactly yeah. Uh, uh, I read I'm, I'm gonna ask you one more thing and that's I, and I just have to know if this is true because in looking up before this podcast I read on your on your Wikipedia page, it literally says that your nickname is the, uh-huh. is, is the Persian Pink Panther. Dude, oh, that is the funniest thing. So this is what happens. So, so <laughs> It just sounds like a sex move to me. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, did you hear the yeah. Persian Pink Panther dude, last night? Dude, you know I did. What would that dude, be? This is I have the, no idea. This is the most ridiculous thing. So last year when I was doing, when I was doing Montreal, yeah. I, I kept going to these interviews and they kept saying like, all right, here with us today, the Persian Pink Panther. <laughs> 
and I was they like, play the theme song? Yeah, no, and, and I go, I go, I go. So finally, after the second or third one, I go, where'd you get this? And the guy's like, it's on your Wikipedia page. I go, what? So I look it up. This is what happened. The movie I was telling you about, Jimmy Vestwood, American Hero. Yeah. The way I describe it, I go, it's like the Persian Pink Panther meets Borat. <laughs> Gotcha. So I kept describing it like that, and somehow someone went on Wikipedia, put it on there, and I've tried to get it off. Wikipedia <laughs> won't listen to me; like they don't trust, they don't trust me. Hey, we that know I'm Maz Jabrani yeah. a little better than you do. Yeah, yeah. Now. yeah. Sorry, Maz. We know the real Maz. Dude, it's the weirdest thing. I keep, I'm like, listen, this is me. Take that stupid thing off there. And now it's become this thing where wherever I go, people go, he's also known as a Persian thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, so it it's really has infiltrated the rest of your, I mean. Because whoever Wikipedia's me right. says Mazurbani, also known as the Persian Pink Panther. All right, so have you written a bit about this? <laughs> I've not written a bit about it. I should you write a bit to. about it. I bet it. you have to because, yeah. and because just to play into it a little bit, because if people are coming to the show being like, we're going to see the Persian Pink Panther. People are like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, Marshall yeah, Brown, yeah. like, oh, I know who that is. I mean, oh, yeah, Who's yeah. the Persian Pink Panther? Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, but then yeah. if you talk about it, maybe then the people coming to expect a it. strip club in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There oh. should be something. That, actually, that's funny because there, there is something about like, like criticizing Wikipedia on that. That's like, hilarious. Not yeah. knowing how to crack Wikipedia. Right. Yeah. And I just love the fact that it's literally you calling them up saying, hey, I'm not the Persian Pink Panther. I, like, eh, yeah. no. I went on. I started like I, I got a little account going. That's whatever. the beginning of the robot revolution, by the way. Uh, yeah. They're like, oh, no, no. We know who you are. We know who you are. And we're going to keep that info locked <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you want, yeah, you can't change who you uh, Yeah, I feel like you got, because you could capitalize on a lot of Persian yeah. Pink Panther dolls. Yeah, Persian of course. Pink Panther. Yeah. I mean, the movie, the Persian Pink Panther. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. It's like the ladies' man meets. I don't know. It's it's like identity theft, but it's like you've stolen an identity that you didn't want to steal, <laughs> but now it's been given to you. <laughs> well, Maz, it's always been my dream to uh, talk to the Persian Pink Panther. Yeah, yeah and here's, so. here's the opening scene. The Persian <laughs> yeah. Pink Panther is a rock star, okay? Uh-huh. He's a rock star in Egypt, and his voice, he loses his voice. <laughs> And so he goes to like the like really you know depths the really nasty streets of Egypt, and he finds the dirtiest bum he can. Oh God, we're going full circle. There you go. Yeah, gets a little bit of that juice. Juice coats the throat. Comes back as the Persian pink panther. There it is. I like that. It's you know it's uh, you're you're not receptive, but we'll work it out in the writing room. Maz, thank you so much for Thanks coming. Thanks for having out, me, guys. Show. That's the show. Subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast. Give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris 
Scalia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicing Driving friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.